Praise God. How many realize and know that in an, in an emergency, there's a number to call, 911? Okay, we all know that. Many of us have taught our children to dial that number, 911, in the case of an emergency. And if you haven't taught your, uh, your school-age children to do that, it's wise that we teach our children this is what we do if, God forbid, if mommy or daddy's incapacitated and you need to call for help, that you can call 911. Well, in the spiritual realm, I'm here to tell you today that in the spiritual realm, there is also an emergency number to call. In the spiritual realm, there is also an emergency number to call. That number to call in an emergency is also 911. And I'm referring to, of course, Psalm 91, verse number 1. Psalm 91, verse number 1. We can consider that a spiritual emergency number because it has so much in there to offer. But why should we need to even know about such a number? The reason is that many times emergencies and difficult times enter into our lives. What issues can present themselves and stand against us, and how do they get there? How do the issues of life present themselves as, as warfare against us and make it seem impossible to deal with? It's because of strongholds that get into our lives. The impossible things that exist in our lives, the warfare that we wind up being involved in, is because of strongholds. And let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Because of strongholds that get into our lives, it is because of strongholds that get into our lives that may require us to need uh, access to a spiritual 911, if you will. The spiritual strongholds that get into our lives cause us the problems that we have. So let's see, go to Second Corinthians 10, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Underline pulling down of strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't walk, by, we don't walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. So we're talking about uh, uh, weapons of warfare, and they say that those weapons of warfare are not carnal. There is a spiritual reality that governs your lives, whether you believe it or not. A spiritual reality that's there that govern, governs your lives. There are spiritual fortresses that exist that can be harmful to our lives, and a fortress that is beneficial to our lives. Spiritual fort fortresses are also strongholds that can be present in our lives that prevent us from pursuing a godly life and from following God's word for our lives. However, there are also footholds. We talk about strongholds, but there are also footholds. And these, and these, and these are, are uh, strongholds, by the way, as, as it was uh, as it said up in verse number three, three that uh, so while we walk in the flesh, the war is not according to the flesh, but for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You have to remember that these strongholds are spirit-driven. There are these spiritual fort, uh, fortresses that exist that can be harmful. Spiritual fortresses are also strongholds, but they're also footholds. Now, we know what a stronghold is. 
a negative area of our lives that is governed by a demonic spirit that makes it impossible to overcome without Holy Spirit deliverance and the blood of Jesus. Now, right away, you start saying, okay, Pastor, here you go talking about demons. Well, guess what? If you believe that God is who he is and he's a spirit, God thought God speaks of demons. Jesus certainly speaks of demons and is talked about all throughout Scripture. So you have to know that there is a reality there whether you believe it or not. So while we know that this stronghold, it can be a negative area of our lives and is governed by a demonic spirit, you also have to know that there is something else out there that can be driving and impacting your life. Now, if you don't believe in, in demons, as I said, well, surprise, Jesus does, and Scripture is full of them. These demonic strongholds can enter into your life, and they can wreak havoc on your life. Demonic strongholds can wreak havoc on your life, but they are always preceded by a foothold. We talk about strongholds, and that's, the fami- that's familiar language, but many times you miss the fact that strongholds are oftentimes preceded, or what goes before them is a foothold. A foothold A foothold is that demonic spirit that puts his foot in the door, so to speak, to allow the strong man to enter. We're aware of the fact that a stronghold is governed by a strong man. But this foothold can be that demonic spirit in your life or that activity in your life that puts the foot in the door. You ever have a salesman or someone come to the door? You've seen a proverbial salesman selling vacuum cleaners come to the door trying to talk to the woman of the house. And she tries to close the door and he puts his foot there to prevent the door from being closed. Well, the spiritual foothold kind of acts in the same way. It's a lesser demon spirit that is there that comes into your life to put his foot in the door to hold it open. The foothold starts, and many times, with a thought. The foothold in your life starts with a thought. And as that thought is entertained, as that thought is entertained, it holds the door open for the full-blown act or circumstance or attitude of that strong man to enter in. That foothold often comes into your life as a thought. And while it's holding the door open, that thought is in your mind and you start dwelling on it and dwelling on it. It's holding the door open for the strong man to enter. As an example, take someone who suddenly lost his job, has a family and is under extreme pressure. And he really doesn't know doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to break the the bad news to his wife when he gets home. And so he tarries and he decides to stop at a bar on the way home. He's really upset, under a lot of pressure. He's got a family, he's got a mortgage, car note, and the whole bit. And he really doesn't want to tell his wife, so he decides to start, stop at a bar. So he says to himself, well, you know what? I think one small drink, I'll have one small drink to kind of relax me. I know when I get home, I know what I'm going to be hit with, so I'll take one small drink to relax me. And he goes on, and he takes that drink. And he feels a little bit better. He feels encouraged and he feels strong enough to talk to his wife. And so he decides to head home. This is the foothold. That one little drink that he decided to take is the foothold. That's the demon then that puts his foot in the doorway and says, hold it open. I'm going to hold that 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 open. And then the next thing you know, the strong man comes along and then forces his way into the man's mind and into the man's life. And the next thing you know, since since that little small drink gave him some gave him some power, gave him some encouragement. Now he decides to make that bar his stop every single day on the way home. He decides, he says, well, I'm not going to just wait until I go to the bar. I'm just going to bring in a couple of fifths of whiskey. I'm going to put it out in the garage where I can go and silently drink. And then he gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper engorged until now that foothold has become a full-blown stronghold in his life. 
that foothold has developed into a stronghold of alcoholism now. Because all of a sudden, what did he do? He entertained that thought. That can happen in our lives so many times. Happen in our lives so many times. Foothold can be established through temptations. If we go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All it takes is that one little demon to come in there and put that foothold in and hold the door open while you're thinking about it, while you're dwelling on it, while you're about to act on it, or something that you think is a lesser, lesser thing. Oh, I can smoke pot because I can quit any time I want. Oh, I can take some drugs. I can quit any time I want. And that one little foothold gets in that person's life, and the next thing you know, it blossoms because now that foothold has opened the door for a strong man to come in. And that foothold now becomes a stronghold, a full-blown stronghold. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you or will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way, way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So underline or highlight all of that, please. There had, verse number 13, there has no temptation taken you, but as such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be attempted above what you're able, but will also with that temptation give you a way out that you may be able to bear it. So the things in our lives that you wind up going for, going through at the time, it may feel like this is happening to me alone. I'm the only one in the world that has this problem, you know, losing my job or, 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 uh, or, or I can't have children or, or this or that or whatever the issue might be. At that particular time, you feel like you're the only one in the world. But the word of God says you're not the only one. You're not the only one that has this particular problem or is going through whatever you're going through. OK, and then that temptation to 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 find a way out to find a, a carnal way out or a way that you may think of the temptation to take that drink. Let's just say that first drink. This word of God is saying here, uh, uh, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above above what you're able. So this thought that is running in your mind or whatever you think the answer is, what and what not, God is going to provide a way out because he's not going to give things. He's not going to put problems or temptations on your mind or on your body greater than what you can you can stand. And God will always show you a way out. The interesting thing is that temptation takes many forms. Now, when you say the word temptation right away, you start thinking about, you know, drinking or drugs or, or illicit sex or some other some other carnal thing that's involved. And you think of it as temptation, but temptation, uh, you know, engaging in theft or something like that. But temptation can take many, many other forms. Temptation can also engage itself in your life in the form of unbelief, where you can be tempted to simply not believe God. It could be temptation to go back to your old habits of not believing that you'll be blessed. You know, you see, and believe not, that is a temptation. When you start doubting God and God, you're trusting God for something and you're praying for something. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you say, ah, well, that's probably not going to happen. That is probably not. That is a temptation. 
You see, and the minute you start, you start um, thinking about that. Oh, it's not going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. That's that foothold. That's where that demon of unbelief has that foothold that he's getting into your life now to hold the door open. Whereas if you dwell on that unbelief, it'll wind up growing and morphing into something greater than that. So temptation can be more than simply the usual things, illicit sex, drugs, um, uh, drinking or anything else like that. It could be temptation to go back to believing that you are incapable of, a, of accomplishing a task. God will put a new job before you. God will put a new position. God will put a new something in your life that you have to do. And it's so easy for us to just fall back and say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do it. I'm not even going to think about even trying to do that. Uh, what, what's the point? So that is your temptation, again, to think that you are incapable, that you don't have the ability to do what God is calling you to do. That's a temptation. And the minute you start thinking like that again, oh, gee, was, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. There's that foothold in the door. There's that little foothold, that little nasty demonic foothold is right there in the, in the door, down on the threshold of your, of your spirit, trying to hold it open for a stronger man to come along. Temptation could also also be going back to thinking that things will always be the same with your humdrum life, that your life is so boring. I have nothing else to live for. Oh, my life is such a thing. And so that can be a temptation to start start dwelling on that. It could be a temptation to go back to expecting that the worst is going to happen in your life. You know how many people that I speak with that they always think they're dwelling on the worst things possibly happening. They'll tell you something great on one side of their mouth. Oh, guess what? You know, I've, I've got this you know, offer for this new position. Or I saw this brand new car. Or I saw this, this house you know, you know, that, that I'm thinking about bidding on. Oh, boy, boy, boy. But on second thought, I'll never get that. I don't have the money to make the down payment. Oh, I won't be able to. I won't. I won't. I won't. So, again, you see, that's that little foothold getting into your spirit again. Because you are going back. You're being tempted to disbelieve God. You're being tempted to believe that you are not capable. You don't have the intelligence. You don't have the wherewithal. I don't have the money in the bank. Or, well, don't you know that if God is going to bless you with a house, let's say, or a new car, that God will make it able for you to have the money to pay for that? God will do something, you see, you see. But when that temptation comes upon us, you know, again, it says here that the temptations that experience you are not anything that anyone that, that does, that other, the rest of mankind doesn't experience, okay? And that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond your capability, along your ability to bear it, and will always find you a way out. So when those temptations come out, so what come at you, so what do you say? Well, first of all, I know I don't have to stay, stay believing that I can't do it. God's going to give me a way out. In that particular case, it's, it's very, very simple. You get that temptation to disbelieve that you're able to receive this blessing. The way out is for you to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke that thought. In the name of Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't accept it. Get out of my mind. Get out of my thoughts, you spirit of unbelief. I cancel it out, and I accept what the word of God is telling me, that I will be blessed, that I will receive. I'll receive that. So I'll get that job, whatever it is that's going on. But if you let that temptation for unbelief, you see, the reason why a temptation to unbelieve is such a temptation is because it's so easy. Unbelief is very easy, you know. That's why we fall victim to it so much. To unbelieve is such a temptation that the devil is saying, I, I dare you, you know. What did, what did the devil say to Jesus in the, in the wilderness? If you be the Son of God, if you be the Son of God. Now, what if Jesus had just said, oh, well, gee whiz, yeah, he may be right. Maybe I'm not the son of God. It's so easy. It's so easy for you to fall back and say, I will not succeed. It's so easy to fall back and, and say, well, gee whiz, why would I get blessed with a brand new house like this? Why would I get blessed with this job that I want? Why would I get blessed with this, with this car? Because it's so easy for you to fall back and to doubt it, you see? And that's that foothold. 
That's where that little demon has that little nasty foot of his right down in the threshold, holding the door open, waiting for the strong man to come along and, and do damage on you. That can be a foot, a foothold entering into the doorway of your life. But the good news, there is good news, is that when we feel ourselves under pressure, or when you feel yourself under attack, we can remember to dial 911. You can remember to dial 911. Remember to go to Psalm 91.1. Let's go to Psalm 91.1. Psalm 91.1. Thank you, Jesus. Temptation is not always what the word makes us think of. Temptation is, is a lot more than just uh, um, giving into something, uh, 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 you know, like I said, like drugs, illicit sex or drinking or something like that. Uh, uh, temptation is, is simply us opening the door and giving into something that the devil is telling us is true, whereas according to the word of God, it's not true. Temptation is you believing that you're a failure and the word of God says otherwise, that you're not a failure. So when these strongholds or these footholds attempt to take a, a, a foothold in our lives, we have to remember to dial 911, so to speak. Because Psalm 91 starts off with, you're talking about strongholds, Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So in the first place, that's telling us that if we abide in the secret place, and a secret place, what is a secret place? A secret place is a place where someone, where no one else knows where you are. We've all played hide and seek as children and whatnot, and what do you do? You try to find a place that the other kids can't find you. And so you go to, go to that place, and that's your secret hiding place. Well, it's the same thing with God. When we are in trouble, remember that in the first place, the enemy is out there trying to do harm to you. The enemy is the one that's out there trying to put that foothold in your door. And the strong man is just out there waiting until he can get in and, 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 take, and take the rest of the action to bring you, bring you down to destruction. Okay? You don't forget, that foothold is that thought. That thought that gets in, then dwells there. You see? Anything that you let enter into your mind, if you think on it long enough... Your human mind being that you are indeed human, you start thinking in human terms and you start dwelling on it. You start rationalizing and you start making excuses why, yes, this may be true. Or you start making excuses that, oh, yes, I will not be able to, to accomplish this. You start making excuses and you start saying, oh, gee, someone is going to contact so-and-so and is going to say to so-and-so that I'm unqualified, so therefore it just won't happen. Or they're going to call the bank and they will see that I've only got $9.52 in my bank account. <laughs> no way will I get that house. And you start dwelling on You start dwelling on it. Okay, And you start thinking more and more and more until you wind up believing what, what you're thinking. And at that point, the foothold that was open in your door, which was simply a crack in your armor, now that door gets opened up for the strong man to come in and really hit you full-blown with full force. See, so what you do is you start remembering, call on Psalm 91, and you say, wait a minute, then what I'm going to do, because I'm under attack here, I'm going to go to the secret place of the Most High. I'm going to go into the secret place of the Most High, and there I shall abide under the shadow of God. 
I'll be, I, the enemy won't be able to find me, to attack me. He won't be able to develop a stronghold because I'm going to be under the shadow of the Almighty. Number two, verse number two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. Now, how many times when you're worried about a problem and you're, you're hoping that something will come to pass in your life, how many times do you stop and think that, gee whiz, you, you know, God is my fortress here. I don't have to worry about anything. God is going to protect me, and I'm simply going to trust in him. I'm not going to try to figure out how the enemy is not going to be able to get in. I'm not going to keep looking out the windows of this fortress trying to look down to see how close the enemy has, has, is approaching me. I'm simply going to go into that fortress where the enemy can't find me, and I'm just going to trust in him. I'm not going to ask, well, gee whiz, God, I'm in your fortress. How many, how many catapults do you have? How many cannons do you have, Lord? How are you going to overcome? How are you going to protect me from the enemy? All I know is that I'm in this fortress that is God. I'm in his secret place. They're not going to find me, and I'm going to trust God to protect me. Verse number three says, surely he will deliver thee from the, from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Here again, now, you've decided to call 911, and that demon who's got that foothold and the strong man is trying to break in there to make your life uh, further miserable. You just say, you know that God is going to deliver you from the snare of the fowler. If you underline, underline the word snare of, of the fowler, okay, and you understand what is a snare. You know, a snare is a trap. A snare is a trap. It's something that is out there that you don't see. If you're building, if you're hunting and you want to, uh, I don't know, go hunting for rabbits and you decide instead of killing them, you're going to trap them in a, in a snare. You're going to catch them in a snare, in a trap. You make that snare so they can't see it. They don't easily recognize it. Well, saints of God, children of God, brothers and sisters of God, what I'm saying to you is that what the enemy is out there trying to do, he's not going to trap you. He's not going to get you into a position that's something that is, is easily recognizable by you. He's not going to put something in front of you to be a hindrance to you that is easily recognizable. So therefore, going through life and trusting in God and knowing that you're in his secret hiding place, you don't have to be worrying about these snares and these traps out there because God will be, be protecting you from them. You see, and the Lord knows, you know, the more mature, I won't say older, the more mature you get in life, the more mature you get in life, the longer your careers have been, as your children grow and go through school, the grandkids come along, you tend to recognize snares a little more readily. It's only because of the fact that with God's blessings, you've been on the earth long enough to learn and to hear from God. So you recognize snares more readily. I'm not saying that people that are, are more mature or, or, or older than others are, 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 are untrappable or unsnarable. I'm not saying that at all. But many times, though, you will develop more, more wisdom having worked with, walked with the Lord longer that you recognize some snares. But I'm saying to you that many times there are snares that are laid out there, traps that are laid out before you that you just don't realize are traps. Only God knows it. And the devil's, the devil's um, objective is indeed to lay traps for you. He wants to trap you into a place where you start losing hope. You don't think you're going to be able to succeed. You don't think that, 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 that relationships are going to pan out. You know, the devil will come along and even develop things in your life with family members, with friends, with the people on the job that will just all of a sudden blossom and blow up in your face to make your life miserable. These can oftentimes be snares. They can be snares. They can be traps that the enemy is trying to lay out. See... Jesus came so that we could have life, live life on this earth victoriously and then have an abundant eternal afterlife. 
For God also very much focuses on this life that we are in right now on planet Earth. The devil, Satan himself, okay, the accuser of the brethren, he is the one that would love to destroy you. So he is totally the antithesis of God. He totally wants to destroy you. So therefore, anything he can bring into your life that will make your life miserable, he will bring it in. He will bring it in and many times it will be in the form of snares or in traps. It will be in the form of using someone to say something else. It will be in the form, in the form of, of, of a job loss. It will be in, in, in the form of, of, of something that you're praying for supposedly not coming to pass. Many times Satan lays these snares and these traps for us because he wants to get us to the point that we stop trusting in God. And this is where you have to remember you can call 911. Remember to grab your Bible and go right to Psalm 911 and start reading what that, what that Psalm is saying to you, what God is saying to you. That you've got these traps that, that are out there. But he says, surely, verse 3 says, surely he, meaning God, he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowl and from the noise and pestilence. Verse number 4 says, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever seen pictures or videos of a mother hen, the way she, what she does with her chicks. She spreads her wings and she corrals her, chips, her chicks and she covers them to protect them. Well, this is saying that God will protect you in like fashion, you see. But many times when that, when that old demon has that foothold in your door, you forget about what, what 911 is saying to you, that God is there to protect you. So that means that while you don't know what's out there and you can't see what's happening, you are in his fortress and you're basically saying, okay, look, okay, God, you deal with it. You deal with it. You've got a situation. You don't even know what you're supposed to say. You don't even know what you're supposed to do. All you know is that I'm going in God's fortress where the enemy can't find me to hunt me down. And I'm going to trust in God. So that's like saying, okay, God, I'm in this fortress. While I'm here in this fortress and all hell is breaking loose outside the fortress around me. They're out there in the land. I can peep. I can peep through the little opening in the wall. I can see them looking for me. I can see the enemy trying to find me, but he can't. While I'm here in this fortress, Lord, feed me, provide water. Don't let that enemy get to me. At that point in time, you will find such a relief and relaxation knowing that there's nothing that you have to do. And if there is something that you have to do, God will tell you what it is that you need to do. Instead of you banging your head against the wall trying to figure out, how do I deal with this situation? How do I deal with this person? How do I deal with this friend, with this family member, with this loved one? How do I deal with this whole situation? Lord, I am in this fortress now, and the enemy is out there. You know, and, and, and snares and traps, like I said there, a, a, a trap is a snare because it's unseen. That's the whole idea. <laughs> so you don't know what people are thinking. You don't know what's going on in their minds. You don't know how they, I, I, I've known some people, especially when I was in the workplace, I've, know, I've known some people that were absolutely brilliant at stirring up trouble, creating chaos. I've sat back and watched people plot, whisper things to one person and watch to see how it would spread through the, through the office just to, just, just to, 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 to create and to carry out their agenda. There are a lot of very devious people in the world who are driven by devious spirits who will do anything to, to create unrest in, in the workplace. I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen in families. These are snares. These are snares. These are traps that the enemy is trying to lay to, to formulate, to trap you into, 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 into leading a, a less than enjoyable life. Because if you fall into that trap, then you wind up doing exactly what it is that they want you to do.
See, so you have to always be on the alert. Remember what Psalm 91 is saying here, that God will protect you from that snare. It said that he shall cover you with his feather, with the feathers of his wing, and, and you shall trust in him, and his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Terrors by night, that thing that's going, in, going on in your life, that snare that the devil is trying to lay for you, that trap. Do you carry it to bed at night? Do you carry it to bed so that you can't go to sleep? That you're now worrying about that situation? You're worrying about Monday? You're worrying about what someone is going to say? Or you're trying to figure out how can I get ahead of the problem? What can I do to stave off what so-and-so is going to say, what so-and-so is going to do? You know, don't be afraid of that by night. What does it say there? By, uh, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. So while you're in that fortress, you're in God's secret hiding place, you don't worry about the enemy that's outside trying to fire arrows out you. You don't worry about that person that is plotting against you. You don't worry about that, that demon that is trying to tell you, tell you you're not going to succeed. You're not going to get the house. You're not going to get the job. You're not going to get the car. You're not going to be able to get pregnant. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. These are arrows that they're trying to fly to, to, to fling at you. And you don't go to bed worrying about being protected from those arrows. You know, you know, how many realize that when you close your eyes at night, one of the things I've been praying for years and I will continue praying always as part of my prayers before I close my eyes, I always pray, Lord, and camp your angels round about this house inside and out to keep us safe from harm, seen and unseen. Because I know that there is a spiritual warfare that goes on. While you may physically sleep, you know, your spirit doesn't sleep. God does not sleep. Your spirit does not need rest. It's your physical body that does. That's the reason that we sleep. But your physical body, there is no, there is no cessation of consciousness when you go to sleep. You know, I mean, truly, now, I mean, you, 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 your whole mind and your spirit doesn't shut down just because you close your eyes and you go to sleep. There's things going on in the spirit realm. So if you're going to lay away at night, lay awake at night and your eyes are open worrying about those things, then it means that your spirit is worrying about this thing and your spirit's worried about it. So therefore, your, your physical body cannot get the relaxation and rest that it needs. So you need to shut it down and just know that, that you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes that news, noonday. You know, the pestilence of those demonic spirits as well, as well as things like bugs and other nasty things that creep around. But you don't worry about those things, you know. Many times I've prayed when there were, were, were outbreaks in school, measles or what have you, you know, that, that I pray for the children and send them to school. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those bugs and those, those uh, germs will stay away and not impact or touch my children. You can literally pray those prayers and remember that to protect your household and your children. You know, people may get sick in the neighborhood, you know. And, and, and here I, I tell you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't rebuke or criticize or tell anything to do when it comes down to medical procedures and things like that, because this is where you have to pray and you do what you want to do. But all I know is that every so-called flu season, and I put that in quotes, every so-called flu season, I've said that prayer for years. I've said in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke any germs of flu or spirit of flu and go, through, go down the whole list binding up and everything around my household when my kids were little, around my kids and so forth, sent them to school. We did not have flu shots. I don't take flu shots. I've never had flu shots. I've never had the flu. 
You know, and I give the glory to God there. I'm not bragging on myself or anything. I give the glory to God. And again, I say that is that's an individual thing. You do what you want to do. I'm not trying to say that if you take flu shots that you're an ungodly person or anything else like that. You do what you feel you need to do. All I'm just saying is that, and I, I use that scripture, I said, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that, that uh, wastes at noonday. Okay, to me, the flu is a bug, it's a disease, it's a germ, it's, it's pestilence. I pray it away the way I would pray a rat away or mosquitoes away. Verse number 7 says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Underline or highlight that. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Now, that fills so many areas of our lives because, I mean, especially like in the workplace, uh, I've been around where people would come back from lunch and all of a sudden find pink slips on their desks. That's where half the staff was laid off and the company didn't have, didn't have the guts or the fairness to tell people in advance, but they simply put pink slips on their desks. They found out after lunch that they were laid off. Thank God that never happened to me. And people would say, well, how can you be so, so up? How can you be so, be, be so uh, not worried? And I said, because God will provide. I don't worry about things like that. 10,000 may fall around. In other words, people around you may suffer all sorts of disaster. Things may happen to other people, whether it's being fired, whether it's being sick, whether it's being anything else. Just because everything else in the neighborhood is happening to those around you does not mean that it's got to happen to you. What God is saying there is that a thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. So don't start thinking because that foothold that often crops up. That foothold is, gee whiz, you start looking at a neighbor, you start looking at a co-worker, you start looking at another family member, and you see what's happening to them, and right away, that demon, that little foothold says, with the, in the door, putting in your doorway is, this may happen to you. This may happen to you. Look at your neighbor. Look at your cousin. Look at your grandma. Look at your friend. Look at your co-worker. Look what's happening to them. Well, it's happening to them. I will pray for them. That does not mean it's going to happen to me because God said that I'd be safe. God said that I'd be protected. Okay? But that, but, but that foothold comes in the form of that thought. Well, what about me? If everyone else is falling, then I'm going to fall too. You see? And that's where you start setting yourself up. You start setting yourself up because the strong man then starts putting his foothold, putting his stronghold in there. And then he enters in, and then he really starts, starts wreaking havoc on your life. So don't worry about what's going on around you or what's happening to other people. But just remember the promises that God made to you, and that in accordance with 911 here, he says that he that dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay? God is there to protect you, you know? And whether you feel, and it's a spiritual thing. You know, and just because you pray that prayer and you close your eyes and you pray that prayer and you open your eyes, you're not going to see around you all of a sudden the gray walls of a fortress. <laughs> you know, you're not going to wake up in Robin Hood's uh, castle or something like that, you know. But spiritually, you see, and that's what you have to believe. You've got to believe that your life is so spiritually driven it isn't funny, you see. But many times, and again, that's a foothold where the devil would get in our minds to make us disbelieve that. To disbelieve that while we are flesh and blood, physical beings, that we are a spirit. And what really drives us is the spiritual realm. Because that's where God is. You see? Okay? So you have to remember that no matter what's going on around you, God is going to prevent, uh, protect you. Only with your eyes, only with thine eyes, shalt thy behold and see the reward of the wicked. 
because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, um, even my most high, thy habitation. Okay? So this so it's, so it's saying there that even your eyes will see what will happen to the wicked. You see? And if you sit back and you have the patience, if you have the patience and, and, and the insights to watch what happens to people around you that practice all sorts of wicked tactics, watch those that constantly come out against you. Watch those that are plotting against you. Watch those that are thinking, you know, um, not nice thoughts towards you. Watch where these people end up. Okay? All right. Alrighty? I was going through some things in the workplace there where, where, uh, where I was actually taken to court and so on. Uh, uh, HR type things and whatnot. And boy, oh boy, the funny thing was, too, when they were choosing the jury and they had, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred people in the room there and they were calling off names and a couple of people called up and said, I'm sorry, but we can't serve. And the judge said, why? He said, because we're members of, of Reverend Cobb's church, <laughs> like that. And they, the judge didn't know that I was a preacher because I was in a secular workplace there. And so they said, oh, you know? He said, yes, we've been in this church for many years. And so the judge, judge excused him. And as that trial progressed itself and whatnot, I watched I watched exactly what was what the scriptures talks about, where, where, where those that were lying, how they actually confounded themselves, how they told things that the, the lawyers and whatnot picked up on and made liars of them right there on the stand. I sat there, my mouth kind of dropped open out of what came out of these secular lawyers' mouths to, that, that were, were my defense lawyers who wound up making me and the, the state agency, we wound up found guilt-free. Okay, and, the, and the, the, uh, the person did not win out against me and the agency. We walked away from that free. But I watched exactly what the word of God says where they were confounded. He slipped up over himself and said things there that, that uh, he, caught him, he caught in traps, caught in lies right there. You see, so, so what this is saying here is, is that you'll sit there and you will watch the undoing of the wicked. And this not only happened once. There were three attempts, three attempts, three attempts, okay? Two weeks each time of my life spent there going through this in court. But I was found innocent, and the agency that I worked for at the time was found innocent, too, where there was nothing going on there. Three times I watched this happen where God stepped in, and all I had to do was just kind of sit back. And each time, like I said, we read these things and we believe these things, but when you actually see it happening in your life, that's when your jaw kind of drops open, you see. So you will see what the wicked is plotting. You will see God. If you have the faith and you trust and you do what God is telling you to do, you will see how the wicked can be undone right before your eyes. But you have to remember that you've got to trust and believe what the word of God is saying. Okay. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Underline habitation, by the way. Your habitation. What does habitation mean? That's where you live. Okay? Doesn't mean that you go there to visit. You go to visit your in-laws. You go to visit your cousin. You go to visit your niece, your nephew. You go to visit somebody in your family. Your habitation is where you live. Okay? I always say, you may have heard me say, I was going to see my mother-in-law if we showed up and, uh, 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 you know, on a Saturday and we popped in and we stayed for a few hours and then left. Okay, we went to visit my mother-in-law. If I went to my mother-in-law, I had my suitcase and my toothbrush and my PJs and whatnot, then you'd say, I'm going there to live. You, we live with God. We just don't go to visit God. But so many times we as Christians forget the fact that or we go to visit God on Sundays. We go for a couple of hours to visit God on Sundays. 
Maybe go visit God during the week five or ten minutes before work, maybe five or ten minutes before you go to bed. At bedtime, it may be more like five or ten seconds before you're snoring. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But that's when we visit God. We visit God on the holidays. You know, we visit God on, what is it, the four five holidays, you know, Christmas, Easter, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Mother's Day or Father's Day. Those are the times that people attend church. That's when they're going to visit God. Okay, but we don't, we as Christians who love the Lord, we don't visit God. We live with God. We make him our habitation. Verse number 10 says, There shall no evil befall thee. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. There we are again with the plagues. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, this is the, uh, the scripture that Satan misquoted in Matthew verse number six, where he told Jesus to jump off the, uh, the cliff and so on. He said, angels will bear you up. He misquoted this scripture. But here the scripture is really saying, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. See, God has a heavenly host of angels. Remember that they are there to protect you, to watch over you. So why do we worry? Why do we, why do we let the temptation of doubt enter into our minds? Why do we let the foothold of doubt get into our spirits, which will open the door for greater unbelief? Verse number 12 says, They shall bear thee up in their hands, unless you dash your foot against the stone. 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample underfoot. So anything that is coming against you, you shall trample it underfoot. God will protect you. He will take care of you. 14, Because he has set his love upon, upon me, Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Believe me, God knows your name. God knows my name. And the key here is there, because he has set his love upon me. Do you love God? Do you really love God? Ask yourself that. Do you really love him? Or is God so abstract to you? Is God so distant to you that you have a hard time loving him? You know? Many people, many Christians believe that, oh, I can love my husband, I can love my wife, I can love my children, I can love my dog, I can love my car. Because these are all physical things that they can see, that they can touch. What about God that you can't physically see, you can't physically touch? What about God? Do you believe who he is, that he is exactly who he says he is in relation to you, that he is your heavenly father, that he gave his only begotten son because he loved you so much? Just think that, you know, eons ago, millennia ago, God thought about you so much that he didn't want you to spend eternity away from him. Stop and think about that. You really personalize what God did in the form of sending his son, Jesus. God thought about you millennia ago and did not want you to wind up suffering and, and, and uh, being away from him for eternity. So he said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son so that he can die for you. And you put your own name in that spot. That God was thinking of you because what he wants you to be, where he wants you to be into eternity. So do you love him? Do you really love him? You see, none of this stuff works if you really can't say that you love God. None of it works, you know. If you love someone, you do what they ask you to do. If you love someone, you don't do what they ask you to do. Amen. It's just as simple as that. You know, if you have a child, you know, whether it be a son, a nephew or someone else, you know, that you really love so much and that person loves you. And they're, they're acting out and then they're not behaving and so forth. You, you question that person's love. You know, I don't know how many of you may have heard your parents say at one time to you, you know, do you love me? Why do you care? Especially when a parent is feeling frustrated. You know, do you love me? You know, do you love me? Well, why do you do what you do if you, if you say that you love me? 
especially a mom, especially a mom, okay? I know <laughs> I won't be ashamed to say that. Uh, I, I'm not proud to say it, but I, I remember one time in my younghood coming up and so forth, and I was misbehaving. One time my mom had a heart, heart talk to me, and that's why I can, I can say this now, because I remember her saying that to me. Looked at me, and she said, tears, and I, she said, Michael, do you love me? And of course I said, yeah, then why do you keep doing that? I don't recall what I was doing, but I know it must have been something that was hurting her because I remember the conversation as surely as I'm standing here. She said, if you love me, why do you keep doing that? Doing something I shouldn't have been doing, you see. But that's how mom feels. She had tears in her eyes. I never forgot that. And I stopped doing whatever, I was, whatever it was that I was doing, you know, and thank God for that because God got me along the straight and narrow to wind up being what he wants me to be, you see. But if, 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 if that is happening, you know, and, and if you're not loving God, because you can't stop doing what he is telling you not to do, or you can't start doing what he's telling you to do, then you have to think about how does this, how does this play out in my life. Because he, has, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do you know God's name? Do you really, 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 really know God's name? How, how, much, how prominent is God's name in your life? He shall call upon me and I will answer him. Underline that, please. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. When God calls upon you, are you, re- are you that ready to answer him? Okay? God calls upon you, you know. Johnny, Mary, do you wait and you say, who's calling me? You know? Or do you wish that you had a caller ID when God calls you? <laughs> you know? You wish I had a caller ID so you can decide whether you want to answer or not. <laughs> okay? You know, do you, do you hope, do you wish you had, do you wish you had a, a spiritual godly answering machine so that God could just leave a message and then you play it back when you want to play it back and decide whether or not you want to take the call, so to speak. Okay. It says, what does it say? It says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. All right. I will be with, this is God saying, I will be with him in trouble and what I will deliver him and honor him. So underline that, please. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You see, so there's the answer to the 911. He will call upon me and I will answer him. All right. So, so, so when you got this trouble and you dial up 911, God is saying that, that he will answer you. He'll be there for you. He'll deliver you out of trouble. But the prerequisite to that the requirement is, is that you love him. Okay. You can't say that I love God and you don't spend time with him. You don't, you don't heed his calls. You don't take his calls. You don't respond to his calls. You only visit him occasionally. You only think about him when it's, 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 it's socially acceptable to think about God. You only say that you're a Christian when you're around other Christians. Or when, again, it's socially acceptable. You only say you're, you're, you're a Christian when others are saying that they're Christians. If you're a rock star, you only say that I'm a Christian when you're standing up on the pulpit, up on the podium, getting an award, and, and everybody's giving you, you know, praises and so forth like that, and you've got this gigantic cross on your thing there, and you're giving God, oh, I love God, and I thank God, I thank God, and the thing that you, the, the piece of art that you won the award on is laced with all sorts of filthy words. Or the movie that you made has all sorts of filthy stuff in it. But yet still, though, when you think it's socially right, then you say, I love God. Oh, yes, Lord, I thank you. Do you actually think you're thanking God and here you're winning an award for making the filthiest film in the world 
or the filthiest piece of rap music or any other kind of music in the world. Do you really think and you're thinking, do you really think God gave you that? You really think God gave you that music or that piece of art for you to win on? And it's laced with all sorts of obscenities. Yes, oh, I thank God. I got this big old cross hanging for the cameras to see. But then it's socially acceptable to say that, oh, I thank God. Do you really, really love God? Amen. God says, if, what does he say? He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and he will, I will deliver him and honor him. So when you got that issue in your life, you got that foothold trying to, to put his foot in the door to open and hold it open for the, the strong man to come in to make your life worse. Remember, I'm going to call 911. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to go into, I'm going to go into his fortress. I'm going to go into his hiding place where these things are not going to be able to find me. These issues are not going to be able to win out over me. I'm not going to fall into this trap. I'm not going to do what they want me to do. I'm not going to do what they're saying over there. No way, no way. Oh, maybe I'll send a nasty email back. Oh, maybe I'll go on social media and I'll fix them. I'll go to their Facebook page. Oh, boy, what I can put on their face. Oh, tweet them. Oh, yeah. I can tweet them. Tw- Twitter, whatever the term is. I can send them a tweet on Twitter. There you go. I finally got it right. Okay. I can do all that stuff. Okay. I can kill them on social media. Oh, yeah, you, I can be just like them. All right. Well, that's a trap. That's a snare. All right. Oh, mess with me, I'll unfriend him, defriend him, defriend him. What is it again? Okay, yeah, I'll just get rid of him. Right? So that's doing like everybody else does. You do what God wants you to do. You love God. He shall call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And then the last verse here is, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Highlight all of that. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. He that by faith chooses God for his protector shall find all in him that he needs or can desire. Great security is promised to believers in the midst of danger. Wisdom shall keep them from being afraid without cause and faith shall keep them from being unduly afraid. Whatever is done, our Heavenly Father, Father's will is done, and we have no reason to fear. God's people shall see that God's promises will be fulfilled. Whatever happens, whatever happens, nothing shall hurt the believer. Though trouble and affliction, potholders, uh, footholders will try to come around, shall be fallen. It shall come not for his hurt, but for good, though for the present it may not seem to be so joyous. Things happen. Times come in our lives where it's not so comfortable. But we have to remember, though, that we have an out. And remember, too, that the thing that you're going for is common to man. You're not the only one in the world with a problem, even though it may seem like it at the time. And we've all been there, myself included. God knows when there's an issue going on in my life, you feel like you're the only one in the world that ever suffered this issue. Well, you're not. In the first place, Jesus knows what it's all about. Remember that those who rightly know God will set their love upon him. They, by prayer, constantly call upon him. His promise is that he will in due time deliver the believer out of trouble. And in the meantime, be with him in trouble. The Lord will manage all of your worldly concerns and preserve life here on earth, so long as it shall be good for him. For encouragement in this, look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Don't let those nasty little footholds Put their foot in the door to open it up for the strong man to come in and do more damage.
Remember that when you have issues in life and things are going wrong, remember that you have an emergency number that you can call. You can call 911, Psalm 911, and just go through the scriptures that we just went through, and you'll see that your eyes will be open and that your spirit will be relieved from any distress. Amen? Trust in God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.